I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washit. Later, we'll be joined by Abby Barmore and lots going on. Um, it's been a busy week with the transfer portal, the the, the, dead, the deadline. Can I talk today, Robin? Um, but uh, the May 1st, May 2nd deadline to get in the portal um, was really uneventful for Nebraska on their end. Uh, Damian Jackson was probably the big surprise. Um, then you had um, a wide receiver, and I'm already blanking on his name, Latrell Neville. Neville, yes. Um, I was going to say De- David Neville. Remember the old offensive lineman? <laughs> I do remember David Neville. Um, Latrell Neville went in after one year, just kind of one of those guys that didn't see a role with Mickey Joseph. And then Chris Walker, who was already off the roster, went in. So not a lot of drama. Uh, but on the flip side, Nebraska has added two Power 5 defensive linemen this week that have as much or more experience than any defensive lineman on this roster. Obviously, the big one, O'Shawn Mathis from TCU. He's produced 30-plus quarterback pressures um, the last two seasons, uh, led the Big 12 in sacks in 2020, had four sacks a year ago, uh, but still produced over 30 pressures, um, a lot of disruption plays. And then Devin Drew from Texas Tech, over 900 snaps in two years. He was a two-year starter at Texas Tech, uh, Kansas City native, Iowa Western guy. He's the first Robin Iowa Western scholarship recruit at Nebraska. Now, he didn't come here straight from Iowa Western, but still played at Iowa Western, so that's notable. He's also the first Kansas City recruit at Nebraska since Bo Wilson in 2016. Then before that, Carlos and Khalil Davis in 2015. So um, a lot there, um, but they've made this football team better. Yeah, and so you know, I I know this discussion was going around, especially after uh, Drew's commitment. But like, would you could you make the case that I mean, obviously. they're probably not done, right? Do you think they're going to add another D-line piece? I think one more. It's got to be the right one. Right. Um, but, yeah, Stefan Wynn um, from – or Stefan Wynn from Alabama I know is up there. Um, that's a guy that I think they're going to try to get in. Um, and that's an upgrade. I mean, you need rotational depth, period, mm-hmm. into question. You can't go in with, like, just one and a half units. You need two full units of guys. So let's assume that they go ahead and, and add one more – quality defensive line piece could you make the case that the defensive line depth and just overall talent at that point would be better than what it was coming out of last season before all of the departments arguably because Damian Daniels was so inconsistent with his snap counts Mm -hmm. you know when he wanted to play he was great but they rarely got him over 30 snaps a game Um, Ben Stilley was solid he was reliable That, that that's a loss Jordan Riley Never really materialized, but he would have played this year. He would have been a rotational guy. DeAndre Thomas, um, I still don't know why he walked away other, other than he was just done with it. Yeah. Um, so you look at what they lost, but... But what about Rodgers? Uh, yeah, Rodgers, 
you know, he's an interesting one for me because I think we're going off of more potential mm-hmm. than film. Um, you know, he only played, what, 150-some snaps a year ago, 250-some snaps in 2020. And that was the – to me, that's the film you look at and say, like, wow, he was going to do that. He got hurt last year. Um, so I, I don't know what he's going to provide. It's interesting, though, how valuable Rodgers has been in the portal because mm-hmm. if you're a proven D lineman in May that goes in the portal, you're a hot commodity. And I, I don't know if Casey Rogers would have garnered this kind of attention in December and January, um, especially because he tore his ACL in the, in the Iowa game on the final play of the game. Um, but it just tells you there are certain windows where a guy like Rogers to me is more valuable right now than maybe he would have been in the portal back in December. Yeah, no question. And it's kind of been that way, like in basketball, for because they've had the two signing periods for. I mean, a like long Baylor Shireman, they're acting out like this is like Doug McDermott. Yeah, it's like Larry Bird Part Two. But so they we'll get on that later. Yeah, we will. Uh, but, but so like it, it comes down to just people filling out their their rosters, and everybody is looking for experienced defensive line depth at this point. I mean, if you can add another body, at least a a quality proven power five level player um, you know there's going to be a lot of value to that and I think that goes a long way into Casey Rogers seeing the interest that he has whereas like if he was you know going into the portal much earlier uh, you know maybe even before spring I agree you just got to wonder kind of where his his commodity value would be uh, at that point compared to where it is now but that's just kind of the nature of the game and I think that also speaks to how impressive these two additions were because you know, we just said everybody's looking for D-line depth. Everybody's looking for an elite level pass rusher and a big body in the middle that they can plug um, at defensive tackle. And Nebraska went and just got two of the better ones on the market. Well, at O'Shawn Mathis, to give you an idea how suspenseful that was, um, Nebraska's coaches did not know he was committing Robin until two hours before Saturday. He called Brian Applewhite, but mm. they were left in the dark. I think they had a good feel. I had a good feel, I know. But you but never know. You never know. And you know, it wasn't just Nebraska and Texas. TCU was making a late push. Um, Georgia called it. I mean, like Georgia literally. You listened to that phone call. Like, I mean, <laughs> George and, and O'Shawn told me on um, Husker Chat Live Sunday night, and you can listen to that full interview here on the Husker Online podcast channel or our YouTube channel. O'Shawn said, he's like, it's like, look, man, I'm this far down the road. I'm not going to like reboot the whole process. Right. Um, he will be in Lincoln May 20th. That's quick. Um, so he'll be here in a couple of weeks. Workouts start May 22nd. Now, Devin Drew is going to be in Kansas City until early July. He's going to take two online classes to get the degree, and then he'll come up as a um, graduate student. I don't know if he's going to be enrolled in a graduate program um, because, you know, technically he's just using his one-time transfer rule, so he doesn't have to necessarily be in a graduate program, what his plan will be. But uh, both these guys will be here um, one will be here before Memorial Day. One will be here before Fourth of July, and that's big. There's no concern about Drew with that academic stuff. I mean, like, is it? No, no. Oh, okay, it's because he wants his degree. Gotcha. It's it's not gotcha. to be eligible. It's really really easy to transfer as long as you're an academic good standing. And mm-hmm. you know, we dealt with that this year. Exactly. With DeAndre Jackson, who um, you know showed up and they found out he was in bad academic standing, and basically they had to tell him instead of moving to Lincoln on Monday, they sent him back to College Station. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, so again, I think that this continues what has been a pretty positive offseason for Nebraska, just considering 
you know, where things were a few short months ago. Um, you know, now you're you're kind of looking at this team a little bit differently. Ten with, transfer portal additions. With yeah, with the way they've reshaped this reshaped this roster through the portal, uh, the way that they've been able to get some impact hires on their coaching staff, guys that have already shown uh, big their quality chops on the recruiting front and um, said all the right things during spring ball. So you know, I think that there's there's reason to kind of look at maybe this coming season a little differently, certainly, than you did a couple months ago. It sounds more like, Scott, don't call me Mel Tucker Frost. With <laughs> all call me Mel. With all these additions, um, you know, I mean, Michigan State did this a year ago. and yeah, like 20-some guys. And they questioned about 10 transfer portal players. You could really make a case, Robin, that six of them could be starters. Yeah. Six of them. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's what this is all about. This is the new era of recruiting where, you know, the, the idea of developing a guy over three, four years and he's ready to play as a junior, that's dead, essentially, because you can just go plug and play a transfer right now, especially if you're in Nebraska that you know has some inherent recruiting disadvantages. Well, go get on the transfer market where you eliminate all of those disadvantages uh, and can go get top-level players that are looking for kind of that one last chance that um, Nebraska's done so well with so far. In other news, um, I wanted to just hit on this briefly. Um, I don't really think much of it. Um, as a terms of a big story, but Scott Frost, uh, the NCAA finalized their investigation on Analyst Gate, uh, the 2020 deal with Jonathan Rutledge, um, you know, with him doing more than he should have been able to do as far as coaching and instruction. Uh, they got a show cause, Scott Frost did, until he completes the penalty. He's got to miss five days from August to December. And initially, I thought it could be any five days. It has to be five consecutive days. So it will be a bye week. And the beauty is there's two bye weeks this year. Mm -hmm. And he'll sit out and just not be able to go to the office for five days. Could it also be during that you know post-Iowa pre-Big Ten championship week? I don't know um, how that works. I mean, if you go if you qualify for a bowl game, you would still would be in the championship. I, I don't – the language of it – you know, Nebraska didn't put anything out. All, all, all yeah. I got was one statement from yeah, like Trev. Trev had the, the statement. That's, and he didn't really touch on many of the details. But there, this would have been a good time to have like an FAQ of like, this is what this means. This is what this means. You know, because there were a lot of things that, you know, you don't really know truly unless you get clarification. Um, but the other thing, he's got to go to a rule seminar. Um, but, I mean, can, can you imagine? And it, I think you got to go in person. Like the stop class of NCAA like, violations. That would be brutal. <laughs> like a guy making four or five million dollars a year having to attend a rules seminar. You gotta watch like a VHS tape or something when they roll out the TV. I actually want to ask him about that off <laughs> off to the side and to say how how was the rules seminar? I mean, because I wonder how long it is. Oh man. Yeah, that, that sounds pretty miserable. And what's so now the question is, didn't Michigan get like flagged for the exact same thing? Do you think anything will come of that? With Michigan, um, or this, is Nebraska just going to be the sacrificial lamb? Of the so conference? this happens a lot, and somebody turned Nebraska in, and I think in some ways it's Nebraska's own fault because they didn't have a special teams coach in 2020, and Scott Frost never really clarified because of COVID and media access. You know, he could have said, "Hey, all of my staff is going to have a role on special teams. This guy's going to do this. This guy's going to do that." Jonathan Rutledge will be behind the scenes. But I think the narrative got painted that he was doing more, mm -hmm. and he did, as we learned. And But this happens. I mean, come on. Do you really think Nick Saban's analysts don't instruct? Yeah, these programs with like 15 analysts. Like, oh, I'm sure they do nothing on the field. Like, it's all by the book with that. But, yeah, NCAA, you know, that this is a big deal on their radar. They still have to act like they can do something about anything at this point with the current landscape. So Scott Frost essentially got after-school detention 
he'll have to clean the chalkboards and take yep. out the trash, yep. Yep. and then he'll be good. But uh, when we come back, Robin, I want to talk draft briefly, just your thoughts on Nebraska, the Big Ten, how the SEC and the Big Ten just dominated the numbers. Obviously, the SEC was the best, but Big Ten had a really good draft too. And after that, it was quite a drop-off from the next league. So we'll talk draft next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett. This segment brought to you by the 2022 Aer Lingus College Football Classic in Dublin, Ireland as Nebraska will take on Northwestern. It's a week zero game. It opens the college football season. Uh, Nebraska just had a group of people out there. The game Saturday, August 27th. Um, the team will leave Monday of that week to go out there. It will be an entire week. So it really is, Robin, a bull trip on steroids um, as you get this trip ready. But if you still want to go, and I know a lot of people traveling. I just was on a plane last week. No masks. It's a whole different experience now traveling um, in the airports than it was before, um, you know, with, with all the things that we've dealt with the last two years. You can still get this trip booked. Go to Huskers2Ireland.com. Um, you can get on, look at the different packages being offered. They have some airfare options. You can book your own airfare. If, you, if you're a guy that has points and miles and you want to use them up uh, because you haven't been able to use them the last couple of years, you can still book your own and still get on the package, which includes hotel, transportation, baggage transfers, game tickets, um, and it's going to make the trip really easy. You can customize your trip, one city, two city, three city, um, no matter how you want to do it. You can be there for three days. You can be there for eight days. There's a lot of different options for this trip. Uh, that's Huskers2Ireland.com. But, Robin, let's talk draft. Nebraska had three guys drafted, and I think that was kind of the low watermark. It was disappointing to me. They didn't get four or five. I, mm -hmm. I mean, JoJo Doman, Austin Allen, I really thought at least one of those guys. I, I, I you know, I JoJo was no brainer. I thought five was like the high water mark, and four was a fairly good chance. So I just, I haven't talked to JoJo or Craig um, about the draft. And obviously, we had the show with him this last year um, because I know it had to be tough, but he's going to go to the Colts. Um, I don't know what the role is, but. For JoJo, you've got to be able to now crack into special teams and have value there. And when I look at like Austin Allen, Robin, that might be what hurts a guy like him. Absolutely. What's his special teams value in the NFL? Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, you go back to like Jordan Westerkamp, the reason he never could make it in the NFL, he had zero special teams value. He's not a return guy at that level, and he's not a tackler. Where Brandon Riley and Alonzo Moore, they got in because they were elite athletes that could tackle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, I mean, it goes back to what Bill Bush and – Mickey Joseph have been preaching since the day they've got here. You know, Mickey made, was very proud of the fact that, I mean, he had guys that are pro bowlers in the NFL right now playing special teams at LSU. And he, one of the first meetings they had with his group was showing clips of his LSU, like, kickoff team. And there's, like, Justin Jefferson and, you know, all those guys running down the field, you know, tackling guys during a kickoff drill. So um, there's that is a huge part of being able to actually stick on a roster. And I – 
I can understand why JoJo fell out of the draft just He's because be 25, of his age. 25 years old in, in, in yeah. this season. He's got an injury history, you know, two major knee injuries, had the hand deal. So, I mean, he, he had that working against him. So, I guess it wasn't a total shock. But if you just watch him play. The I mean, Ohio State game. The talent is not an issue with him. He is good enough to play in the NFL. And he's a versatile enough athlete that he will find a role on special teams. I have very little doubt about it. And with how uh, smart he and his camp are, I guarantee you they picked the Colts for a reason because the Colts probably have a lot of mutual interest in him, and they're going to find ways to get him on the field. So I think that's a good spot. With Austin Allen, the special teams thing is going to hurt him. I know he had a shoulder injury that prevented him from doing the bench at the Combine. Uh, he didn't do well at all uh, on his bench at Nebraska's Pro Day. So that's a big reason why he fell. Um, the good thing with the Giants, they have like one tight end. Seriously, like Ricky Seals-Jones, who was a free So they're pickup. looking for cheap options. Yeah, they drafted one in the third round. But anyway, there's there's numbers there. They carry four or three. To be had, they, uh, at least three, it, depending on the team. You can go more than that. But uh, they have an opportunity for him to make his mark as a receiver. It's just a matter of can he do enough in those other elements to make him a more valuable commodity. Damian Daniels, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't see him on an active roster, but I really think a practice squad, he could go a long way. Yeah, I mean – the fact that you know his brother kind of showed him the ropes, like he he knows what it takes to go that route and succeed at that level. And with the flashes that he showed last year, I mean, he, he's got NFL talent, and his conditioning has gotten a lot better. He dropped a bunch of weight. Uh, I think this was the lightest he'd weighed since like his sophomore year of high school. So I mean, he's in the best shape maybe of his life right now, and that'll go a long way in helping him stay on the field and not just being this uh, you know, limited package type player. Kyron Williams, that's one that really intrigues me because I do think he's got special teams value and he's got some dog in him, some fight. Deontay. And- Deontay, I said Kyron. Kyron, sorry. Kyron is in the USFL right now. Deontay Williams, <laughs> um, I'm sorry about that. Um, but I think he has got a shot yeah. um, to get, I, I hope, on a practice squad. I mean, he has given so much to Nebraska. Uh, Markel Dismuke did not get signed that I know of. I don't know. Yeah, if I haven't did. seen anything. Um, but his four seven five and thirty one inch vertical didn't really help him at pro day. Um, ben Stilley, Dolphins. Um, he's another guy that to me is intriguing. You know, I've, some people have even said that uh, he could play offensive line. I, I don't know. I mean, I think he's a D lineman though. We'll see kind of where I he fits. Too. Yeah, I mean, that transition's awfully difficult in the NFL, especially if you've never played offensive line. Uh, but we haven't even talked about our boy Cam Jurgens. I mean, the highest offensive player selected since when? What was it, 2000? Well, was Randy Gregory and Amir Abdullah drafted? He, he was ahead of them, wasn't he? Were, were those guys drafted in like the 30s or the 40s? I can't remember. I, I wrote the story. Anyway, uh, but certainly the first offensive lineman Nebraska's selected since Richie, or the first Nebraska offensive lineman highest selected since Richie Incognito in 2005. You know, I, as a Giants fan, I wish that he would have gone to literally anyone else, but great for him. I think that's a perfect opportunity And just listening to the way the Eagles talked about him. I mean, they see him as the second coming of Jason Kelsey, who has been their perennial Pro Bowl center, and the reason he's been so good is because of his athleticism and be, the ability to pull uh, and block in space, and that is Cam Jurgens' game to a T, so uh, a perfect fit for him. And, you know, we, we'd kind of been hearing rumblings that uh, he had a chance to really vault up the draft board, and that clearly played out. 
Yeah, uh, highest draft pick Robinson's Prince of Mocamera in 2011. He was a first rounder. You had Amir Abdullah. Um, you know, he was drafted 54. Randy Gregory was drafted 60. Stanley uh, Jean Baptiste uh, was 58. Um, Levante David was 58. Um, so, yeah, the, you, you look at those numbers, and, and Cam so, Jurgens was drafted. Who was the last fifth, offensive player? 51. So, yeah, you, you got to really go back on offensive players um, a long ways here. It would be. Man, um, I'm now I'm really looking through the 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 picks here, Robin. It's there's not very many. Yeah, and I so mean, Tony Ufanoti. Yeah, that's it. That's 2002. It. Yeah, so he was number 20 30, years 30. highest draft pick, offensive Nebraska draft pick in 20 years. And another reason why Nebraska is <laughs> again. You could point to a few things as to why Nebraska football has struggled. That is a uh, right at the top for issues the lack of nfl level development uh, that has gone on in this program and cam taylor Britt, we didn't get to him i mean he, he really landed as high as he could have gone in my opinion you know I, I i think there were some skeptics you know where where's this guy fall but there are plays last year like that minnesota pick mm-hmm. i mean i was sitting next to you and i'm like wait he got that ball like yeah. i mean you, you could see the michigan game he played lights out i mean he really when the lights were on and the big games, he played well. And once he stopped trying to win the Heisman on every play, he actually turned out to be really good. Like his second half of last season was phenomenal. And he really struggled the first half. And he'll be the first one to tell you that he he put too much on himself. He thought that this was going to be a showcase season where you know he cements himself as a first-round draft pick. And he was making costly plays by taking too many chances and trying to do too much. So once he settled down... He became the player everyone thought he was going to be, and I thought it was so cool watching that uh, video with Zach Taylor's calling him, you know, and telling him that he's going to get drafted. And then uh, the other Bengals front office guys, well, you got your Husker, so, you know. It's it's cool to see that. Well, we've got a lot to talk about here still when we come back. Oh, and Samari Tory to the Packers. And, the Tory. and by the way, Matt Reynoldson, our old intern, now a TV sportscaster in Green Bay, um, he called that. He went on our board and said Samari Tory came up here for a top thirty visit. I would not be surprised if the Packers took him in the back end of the draft. So. I was watching some post-draft analysis on NFL Network, and they pointed to Samari Torrey as a guy that could be an impact player. Like, they think that he fits exactly with that Packer offense. With uh, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, mm-hmm. he, just, he, he wants speed guys like that. Yeah, I mean, the, he's better than some of the guys that have put up good numbers in that Packer offense. I'll say that. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about NIL and where it's heading. Uh, the NCAA, the ADs, they're all in Scottsdale this week for this big um, summit to talk about the future, and they're not happy about where it's at right now. We'll, we'll discuss that and more. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is HuskerOnline.com. Your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washed. As I said, we're going to talk some NIL, Robin. And I think we knew it was going to get wild in the last year. It's gotten so much more wild, though, I think, than anybody ever could have projected. I mean, you think about what we've just seen in the last month with agents getting involved and obviously collectives and the evolution of that in college football. But it's wild. And... 
the ADs and the schools and college football have raised the white flag. The problem is nobody really knows how it can be stopped because there are state laws in place. The NCAA gambled and they got beat on this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they could have at the beginning know, knew that this was going to happen and they were given an olive branch to kind of like build this thing up. Mark Emmert and his people said, no, it's not going to happen. What happened? And then now we're at where we're at. Mark Emmert resigned last week or stepped down, mm-hmm. and he still had a contract that ran through 2025. Um, so it's a mess. And when the president of the NCAA steps down abruptly, it tells you kind of where things are at with the state of NCAA athletics. Yeah, I mean, we, it's Pandora's box has been open just like everybody thought it would, and there's no going back now. And I know they're trying to – go back and have like schools meet with boosters and, and all this sort of thing to try to get this thing under control. But what are you going to do? I mean, there's already legal precedent set that this is okay. And you're going to all of a sudden try to take that to court. There's well, the Supreme ze- court's already ruled. Yeah, there's zero it. ground on that. So, I mean, I just don't know what, even if they wanted to do something, what the NCAA and schools could even do at this point, just because they let it get so far out of control. And, you know, you, you pair that with you know, the comments made by the Notre Dame athletic director where he said, you know, by the 2030s, I predict that the, you know, the major college athletics players will, the schools, will no longer be part of the NCAA. They'll be their own entity, and it'll be a private uh, league of sorts to where um, it's a professional model, and guys are going to get salaries, and it's not going to be under this guise of a student-athlete amateurism. Like, it'll be handled as a full-blown professional league, and Right now, I, I just think that there's no, nothing stopping it from getting there. And, you know, it's gotten to the point now where you have players, Robin, that are maybe making more than assistant coaches. You yeah. have players that are going to be making no more doubt. than gr- group of five head coaches. There are. I mean, this, that's fact. I mean, there's now, now power five head coaches, different deal. But you talk about assistant coaches, group of five assistants and heads. Players are going to be making more than these guys. Oh, yeah. I mean, so for instance, Nebraska basketball's highest paid assistant is right around what 300 some thousand dollars and you They're, gotta you gotta guess nigel peck the transfer from kansas is making four hundred thousand dollars a year at miami for two years so yes they are making more than assistant coaches and what what is really hard to determine on these deals is what are they doing to get the things a lot of it is autographs appearances things like that and they're they're getting paid way way you know way over market value but you determine market value absolutely like that, that's where the NCAA is in a lot of trouble. Like who determines market value? Yeah, there's never been a market like this. And the so market. You, you can set it as well. So you want. I, I just don't know how they slow this down because of what happened already a year ago with the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. And I give Nebraska credit. They, they got at least the collective and the, and the things here with Blake Lawrence, Open Doors. They got ahead of this. And they really built an infrastructure um, that at least for – the time being, it's going to help them. And, you know, let's not kid ourselves. O'Shawn Mathis, Devin Drew, they came here for opportunity. But, you know, NIL, I think, and the opportunities they'll get once they get here, they, they knew it was better than what else was out there. Well, and right now, like especially with transfer portal players, a lot of times you're not dealing with the player. You're dealing with their agent. And you can bet money and perks and, and all sorts of things are being discussed when it comes to selling a 
school to a player. And that is a, a huge factor now in a lot of decisions that are being made. It's not just where can I get the best on-court or on-field opportunity. It's where can I also get all the off-the-court and financial opportunities as well. And so that is, it's again, it's, it's full-blown free agency. And you have to make financial contract pitches uh, to players to even be in the equation a lot of times with high-level recruits. But technically, the school can't be involved. Yeah, and so you go through the collectives. And so, I mean... It's a mess, yeah. I mean, it's so hard um, to kind of like quantify when you look at just all, all these angles that we're talking about here and kind of what happens and where it goes. I think they're going to put together, you know, special committees, you know, blue ribbon committees to like uh, analyze and study it. But in the meantime, it's not slowing down, Robin. Yeah. And so you got to play the game and that's where uh, being out in front of this is going to be so critical. You know, I mean, if you, if you want to play with the big dogs, you better have, uh, your money where your mouth is and being able to compete with hundreds of thousands of dollars to pay for players. I mean, that's, that's just what is happening right now. And again, if you, if you want to be able to get players that are going to make you competitive, um, that's the price tag now. And like I said, I I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Well, and there are schools in the big 10 Robin that don't even have collectives, Iowa, Wisconsin. I mean, and if they don't, they're maybe in the infancy stages of planning them out. Purdue, you know, it's really a unique deal when you like even just look at the Big Ten as far as where Nebraska sits, where Ohio State sits. Now, Michigan has not gotten into it either. Like they've they've kind of stayed back on this as well. And it's going to be a really interesting case study. The people that got all in on it, like Nebraska versus the ones that kept their same approach. And, you know, that is Wisconsin's approach and Iowa's approach. They're they're taking guys that want to be there for four or five years, local players and developing them. Their model is not to bring in an O'Shawn Mathis. And you just got to wonder, though, like how sustainable is that now as more and more players grow up? I mean, it's still all new to a lot of people. Once right somebody now. says, hey, here's money. Yeah, but when you have former teammates that you see go and make, you know, 300,000 bucks in a brand new car to go to a school, you're going to go, you know, take a normal scholarship and work hard for three years at Wisconsin to play? Or are you going to go to somebody that's going to give you the best deal available? I mean, the landscape is, it's, it is what it is right now, but it's going to continue to evolve to where uh, these newfound deals are going to become standard practice. And I, I firmly believe that if you don't keep up and play the game with the way that it's headed, you're going to be left in the dust. So all these schools that are sticking to their guns and playing the old school route, I wonder if that's going to come back to bite them and, and maybe change uh, the, the the competitive landscape of, of college football going forward. Yeah, there's there's a lot, and we're going to be continuing to talk about this. I'm already prepared, Robin, for Big Ten Media Days in Indianapolis to literally be a state-of-the-game deal. I mean, it's going Absolutely. to be a lot to deal with out in Indy as well. But uh, when we come back, Abby Barmore will join us. We'll take her questions in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, taking you here through this first week of May. 
Very busy week here. A lot of news, a lot of questions. We had a great chat on Tuesday. Uh, lots of questions to get to. To take us through some of those questions, we've got Abby Barmore, uh, Husker Online. Abby, what do you have to lead us off in in the mailbag? Who are the top three transfers Nebraska has at the top of its list right now? For next editions? Yeah. Um, I think Stefan Wynn is up there for sure. And and then Kane, the defensive back at uh, Alabama. I mean, I think those are probably the two. We know Kane's visiting um, Nebraska here soon in May. Um, I would hope and think Wynn could be coming in. Um, but those are the two defined guys I know about for sure. You know, there's other guys like Lamar Goods. I think he's more of a, a plan B. And I don't know if they would necessarily take him at this point, um, especially with Devin Drew and O'Shawn Mathis. Um, but they're going to be a little bit more selective. I, I think they're at 85 today, and I know a lot of people are worried about the numbers. But that will take care of itself. I still think, Robin, they could end up to adding maybe up to three more players. So I know there was a question about secondary. Is that really a need at this point, given their their issues on the offensive and defensive line? Obviously, they went a long way defense, but I know we've talked about potentially adding another O-line body. Um, and the, you know, it's all, somebody was asking, is secondary really a, a priority transfer position? Do you think this is more about the player that's available, that he's too good to pass up? Yeah, I, I think it's, some of it is added. I think it's a spring. Um, they know in the, the safety position, I think they have two good corners right now, Quentin Newsom and Tommy Hill with Braxton Clark mm-hmm. rotating in. Um, but in the secondary at safety, Marquise Buford, I think, is locked in. And Miles Farmer technically is locked in. But, you know, Miles is solid. I mean, is he an elite safety? No. I think he's a good player. And I think after that, you know, Gifford and Noah Pola Gates, I don't know if they wowed anybody with their springs. I think they had okay springs. Um, and And then, you know, Singleton, they thought would be ready. I don't know if he's quite ready. Um, Omar Brown, they don't know anything about this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I think if they could get another guy that they would feel really good about to be the third option, um, to have three quality safeties, that's that's why they would do this. Yeah. And so, you know, you're talking about a former four star rivals two fifty level player that uh, I think a player like that, if you can get him, it's gonna make you better and also potentially compete for a starting job. All right, what do you got next? What former Husker would you compare Ochon Mathis to? That's a really tough question because he's 6'5", 260. And there just hasn't been a lot of DNs like that with his – because Randy Gregory was not that big size-wise. Like – he was just really long. You compare it to Adam Carricker was bigger than that. Adam Carricker was like damn near 300 pounds. Yeah, no, he was 300 when he played. there there hasn't been one recently – that comes to mind that, that, you know, has put up the production that he's had. Right. That's the thing. I mean, you can find people that have the same measurables, but when you talk about production, have that measurable and then that resume, uh, it's, it's pretty f- few and far between, which is again another issue Nebraska's had with their inability to find that true pass rush. Well, and, and you look at the numbers, O'Shawn is going to give you three to four kind of QB disruption plays a game. And that's big because mm-hmm. who could do that last year? Nobody. Garrett Nelson started to, I mean, Think about the Ohio State game. He caused that fumble, and they almost won that game off that play if if, if that offensive lineman doesn't scoop that mm-hmm. fumble up. Mm-hmm. And they need that. That's how you win games. What do you got next? Robin, who is going to be Nebraska's point guard next season, or who's in the running for that? Sam Griesel. Uh, I think it's pretty clear. He is your top option um, at the point. Uh, uh, McPherson is going to be in that conversation as well. 
Um, and they have other guys that, that can bring the ball up. Uh, you know, Ramel Lloyd can bring the ball up. Jamarcus Lawrence can bring the ball up. Uh, you have other guard backcourt type players and even, you know, Wilhelm Breidenbach could bring the ball up if needed. So that's kind of been the hallmark of, of Fred's system is you, you're not necessarily needing or relying on one or two players to be your primary ball handlers. But when it comes down to it, the, the top option at point guard will be Sam, and that's pretty clear cut right now. How nervous should Husker fans be about the offensive line? I, You know, I, with Devin Drew and O'Shawn now on, to me that is the concern because I think there are some questions still uh, with Teddy Prochaska coming back, uh, with Turner Corcoran and how he fits. And honestly, with Donovan Raiola, he's never been – you know, an outright position coach by himself like this. So that is the one to me now. Can they gel this unit together? I mean, we're counting on Brock Bando right now. We're mm-hmm. counting on Trent Hickson today um, to, to be a center. Um, and, you know, we don't really know the right tackle. It's going to be probably Turner Corcoran, but where's Ben Hart factor in? Could Kevin Williams pack? I mean, I think there's so many questions still, Robin. Yeah, I mean, just the number of unknowns in that position group make it by far the biggest concern uh, especially after this past week, just because we don't have any answers. I mean, none of these answers will even uh, be known or even close to being known until they get on into fall camp. And we get to see how the health of those two tackles are and uh, maybe get a little bit of a, of a better picture of, you know, are there any further additions being added uh, through the transfer portal that might change the conversation a little bit? So I think just the the lack of um, what we know about that group makes it uh, probably concern number one in my book. All right, Abby, what do you have left? Um, we got time for a few more still. Now that May 1st has passed, where does Nebraska stand with the ability to take more portal players versus the 85-player roster limit, and how are they going to free up more room for transfers? Well, I think you know they're done with the May 1, May 2 guys. Um, technically, they could go May 2 because of the Sunday on May 1. Um, so right now, any attrition that's going to happen is going to be medical or it's going to be grad transfers or just guys – being done so I think you're going to see I'm just guessing I, I think you could see three more pieces move from now to August and really the rule is you've got to be at 85 players on scholarship in August so maybe the next benchmark to look at as far as the calendar goes would be the end of the semester right when guys finish up the semester and if there are graduated players that decide to move on maybe that's the point when you start or to see summer some movement or summer yeah because some guys might be able to get done in the summer um, so, yeah, you look at the roster and, you know, people ask about what about Marquis Steph? What about Tyreek Johnson? Well, those guys have already used their one time transfer rule. Um, you can only transfer once unless you get a waiver. Um, so there's a lot of things where you, you can't, you know, like if, if Marquis Steph hasn't played, he's not going to probably play this year. He just can't leave now again because of the way the one time transfer rule is written. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, some of that will get figured out here in the next month or two, and uh, we'll get a much better picture of what that 85 is going to look like. All right, Abby, we got time for two more. As of right now, with the transfers that Nebraska has added in the schedule for next year, how confident are you that Nebraska can get six wins next season? Well, they should. um, But a lot of it, to me, is the first game. And there's so many unknowns playing even Pat Fitzgerald in a week zero. What wrinkles will he bring out? What will their team look like? Who will be their quarterback? I mean, there's a lot of things about Northwestern we don't know yet and playing this game in Ireland on top of that. So if they can win in Ireland, this season to me takes off. I really believe that. And I said the same thing last year. Yep. If, they, if they could have just beaten Illinois, because what happens when they lost the Illinois game, It they beat Buffalo and then they beat – Nobody uh, cared. Who was the other game? Fordham. They, Fordham. And it was like people were still upset. 
about the first game. You cannot lose in Dublin because if you lose in Dublin, you play North Dakota, you play Georgia and Southern, no one's going to be enthused about those wins. No. It's the exact same situation as last year. And then you have Oklahoma. So, man, if they can win in, in Ireland and then take care of business at home, then you have Oklahoma coming to Lincoln. Yeah. Then you're 3-0. and That's going to be as win. big of a home game in a long time. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you basically take our conversations we were having at this point last year, talking about the importance of Illinois and just transfer it to the importance of Northwestern because that will be the week zero tone setter that – really sets the narrative for the rest of the season. And like you said, you win that, all of a sudden you have a chance to really pick up some momentum with the way that first half of that schedule shakes out. Uh, and then, you know, that when you have momentum, that changes how maybe you view the back half of that schedule that right now looks pretty difficult. Little known fact, Scott Frost has never won three games in a row in Nebraska. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, they won three games the whole season last year, but ne they've never won three in a row under Scott Frost. Damn. So. Baby steps. What a time. All right, final question. <laughs> if you were a student athlete when you were in college, what NIL deal would you want to would have wanted? Man, I mean, these so guys. So we're, we're keeping this to like local NIL deals, not like I want to be whatever, like a Mercedes guy or something like that. I would like, obviously, I think housing would be big. Mm -hmm. Like if you could get a free, furnished, luxurious two-bedroom type apartment. Yeah, like some sweet. Like a place downtown penthouse, you know, like <laughs> that's a huge perk. If you were given like a NIL deal for housing that included furniture and it was like, say, two bedrooms. So then your family could stay there for games. I mean, that that would be a big one to me because that saves you and your family thousands of dollars, mm -hmm. thousands. And then a car. I mean, car deals would be big. Um, you know, then the appearances. I mean, that, that's where these guys, I think, are making a lot of money doing camps and appearances. Yeah, the, the camps are big, but as far as just like a, a deal, I'd probably, the, the housing one would be big, but, you know, you see some of the rides these guys are getting, um, you know, like the Ohio State kid, the, the freshman defensive end, I can't remember his name. He uh, signed that dealership NIL deal and got just like this tricked out pickup. It was just, I don't know, probably like a $100,000 pickup right out of the gate. And you can imagine driving that as a uh, freshman in college. That's uh, That would be quite the perk. All right, Abby. Well, that wraps it up here for the mailbag. When we come back, we're going to talk some basketball with Robin. Um, it's been interesting with the transfer portal and kind of what Nebraska is doing. They made a run at Baylor Shireman. They missed out. We'll get Robin's thoughts on that and more. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online show. Before we get into that with basketball talk with Robin Washett, just one Bit of breaking news that uh, happened during show taping, Robin. Uh, Casey Rogers to Oregon. Surprised? No, I called it from the <laughs> get-go. Um, man. Okay. Tuioti uh, doing work. Tuioti has signed two former Nebraska defensive linemen to Oregon. And somebody on our, our side joked, that's more than he signed all his whole time in <laughs> Nebraska as a recruiter. Uh, because Jordan Riley was a JUCO recruit that came up. And then... I. Obviously, um, Mike Dawson is who signed Casey mm -hmm. to Nebraska out of high school. Uh, but, yeah, too, it, that, there, there, there won't be any uh, Christmas cards exchanged 
um, by Mike Dawson and Scott Frost and T- Tony Tuioti is my guess. No. And, you know, again, it was one of those deals where, like, when he entered the portal, it was like, well, is he going to go to Oregon? And so it, it took us some other stops with USC, Arkansas. But in the end, he went where everybody thought, and, you know, we'll see how it works out for him. But Well, and it tells you Oregon had a coaching change. Mario Cristobal went to Miami. They've probably I don't I don't know I'm not up in the Northwest but I bet they had a ton of attrition where they they were pretty decimated on that line and you know Casey Rogers will do well in the Pac-12. Yeah, I mean he'll be probably one of their most physical guys up there when you think about it. I mean he was set, he was set to play in the Big Ten, so I mean he's he's clearly good enough to be an impact player and maybe that was a big part of it. He wanted to be the bona fide number one tackle that uh, was gonna you know get a ton of reps and be able to showcase himself for the next level. So we'll, we'll see. And there is a difference. I mean, the big 10 linemen, sec linemen compared to the rest. I mean, when Nebraska played at Oklahoma, Robin, I, I talked to a couple guys I've known from OU for a lot of years. And they're like, man, the line of scrimmage difference. I mean, Nebraska was really having their way up front. Um, you know, just chopping guys down with, with their size. And I'll be interested to see where he goes, but congrats to Casey Rogers and best of luck as, he moves on to Oregon. Robin, let's talk transfer portal and Nebraska basketball now. Um, Bailey, Baylor Shireman, I call them Bailey for a second there. <laughs> Baylor Shireman, Aurora native, uh, former teammate at one point of Austin Allen's, I believe. They mm-hmm. He's his quarterback. Um, and, and by the way, Baylor Shireman was a hell of a quarterback. Like, he could have been a D1 quarterback. I'm not joking. Like, he was that good, um, but signed with South Dakota State, had a great career there. He will be a Creighton Blue Jay, but Nebraska made the finals. Was there really even a shot in your opinion? Briefly, um, I think Creighton, when it, you know, the the real blue bloods, I mean, Duke was in his final five. I don't know how realistic that ultimately ended up being, but, you know, when the Kentuckys and the Kansases started getting removed from his list, you look out the sense that he was looking probably to stay in state when it came down to it. I know Arkansas made a late push for him um, and was really aggressive at the end there to, to get in the mix. Uh, but really what it came down to was, you know, was he going to stay in state, and go to Creighton, or go back home and, and play for Nebraska? And Nebraska did uh, a really good job in selling all that they were able to sell um, with just the, the role Baylor would have coming in, being the guy, the number one scoring option that would be able to fully showcase uh, all of his game, which is a big piece uh, for him coming back to school. Um, he wants to prove that he's not just the uh, you know, Midwestern three-point shooter that kind of gets labeled with guys like that. He wants to show he's an all-around player. He would have had every opportunity to do that in the Big Ten as the number one option um, at Nebraska in a NBA style of offense. So there was a lot to like there. Um, obviously, the the proximity location was a big draw, and Nebraska was being competitive um, with their NIL. But what it came down to was Creighton offered all of that as well. And they offered it a much better team, one that is probably now being considered a potential Final Four contender uh, that is has a chance to make a deep run in March. And a lot of times with a player like that, that's that's where you make your brand at the next level is by having success on the biggest stage in college basketball and and having your biggest games come in March. And right now, Nebraska can't sell that. And until they prove that they're even remotely close to being a tournament contender. That will be a massive hurdle for them in every type of these types of situations. It wasn't just Baylor Shireman. Same thing with Antonio Reeves. It came down to Kentucky and Nebraska. Nebraska offered everything Antonio Reeves wanted except for winning. And so Antonio went to Kentucky where they're going to play in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, again, that's a major hurdle that is keeping Nebraska from really getting in with top-level players right now. Yeah, and 
the, the way Nebraska schedules early on, they, it just feels like they get in a hole every year under Hoiberg and they just don't get out of it. Yeah, well, you lose these bye games to open the year. That's going to put yourself at a disservice. But, you know, and it's just kind of the reality of what they've been. You know, I mean, you say it a lot with football where you, you get some early momentum, then suddenly maybe you can get on a roll. It's been a long time since Nebraska basketball has gotten off to early momentum. And, uh, you know, it, it really hasn't happened under Hoiberg at all. So until they can have some sustained success and kind of create a winning culture in that locker room, um, you know, that that's going to be the thing that not only is hard to sell to recruits, but will be used against them uh, when it comes down to these types of recruiting battles. Do you want to go play at Nebraska where – you know, you're hoping to be 500 or do you want to come to our school where we're a bona fide tournament team that potentially could be for a championship with you on board? Yeah, it will be uh, interesting to see. I, I just, the Nebraskan in me, the advocate of in-state athletics here, the thought of Shireman and Greasel coming back in, that would have been special in PBA. I mean, it's a pipe dream. You know, it's a, I'm a yeah. dreamer to even think yeah. of that, but it would have been awesome. Like, can, I mean, just the, the reception those two guys would have got coming back home to get. Now, Greasel's going to get a great reception regardless, but yes. just two guys like that coming back well, to try to. That was part of it for Baylor, too. I mean, again, like, he grew up watching Nebraska basketball. Now, he was more of a Kansas basketball fan just because they were winning. But, I mean, you know, he was less than an hour away from Lincoln, and he watched all the games. And when I asked him about the, the Hoiberg era, he was very specific. So he was still watching them even when he was at South Dakota State. So there, there was a, a relationship there between Baylor and Nebraska. But ultimately, you know, this was his one chance, and he wanted to do it, use it at a program that was in a much better situation as far as being competitive on a national stage. And I'll never forget Dave Hoppin once said this, Robin, because these local players that don't come to play for Nebraska, they don't understand how special it would be to be a local guy that brings Nebraska basketball back. Yeah, no question. And it just hasn't happened. It's sad, but that's where it's at. And, you know, Creighton's got a great program. Um, Greg McDermott's one of the, I think, one of the top 10 coaches in college basketball. And, you know, you, you cannot knock this kid for his decision. He's going to play in front of 17,000 fans every night. Maybe not every night, but most nights. Announce attendance. Yeah. But, yeah, again, it's, it's one of those deals where, like, from a basketball standpoint, it's a no-brainer decision for him. Outside of maybe, you know, there's a lot more mouths to feed on that Creighton lineup, whereas Nebraska, he would have been the guy. But again, with more mouths to feed means more uh, likely more wins on the schedule. So. All right. Uh, well, make sure you're on HuskerOnline.com. We'll have full coverage of Nebraska baseball this weekend. Robin will have more in basketball. We will have, obviously, anything that breaks transfer portal-wise, recruiting-wise uh, as well. No visitors scheduled for this weekend, but make sure you check us out. Also, check out our podcast page. Um, we're on all places you can find podcasts, iTunes, Megaphone, TuneIn Radio, and check out our YouTube channel. We've done a lot of great content. Just search on YouTube, Husker Online. Uh, we've got some great videos that have generated tens of thousands of views. Check them out as well as we've got great content there as well. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.